All right, guys, before we get started, I want to talk to you about a dope new product we have. It is our grass-fed whey isolate protein. It is hands down the best protein ever made. It comes from healthy and happy New Zealand cows that roam on gorgeous green grass-fed pastures. There's no added sugar, which means it's great for a low-carb diet, which I follow pretty much year-round. Because even in the summertime when I'm eating carbohydrates, I don't want to get carbohydrates in fucking powdered form. I want them from sweet potatoes, starches, berries, real food. That doesn't mean I don't mind getting a little extra protein from powder form, especially when it comes from high-quality cows. And this has got it all. It's got a lot more than most protein powders. We include digestive enzymes that help lower inflammation and help you absorb and assimilate the most amount that you can possibly take in from this protein. We've also added in probiotics like lactobacillus acidophilus, which is incredibly important for the gut microbiome and our immune systems. Check this product out. You're sure to like it. We've got delicious flavors like vanilla and Mexican chocolate. I know you'll enjoy it. Give it a look. We isolate protein from grass-fed cows. On a podcast with a very special guest, my old and not old, but my man, Jesse Burdick, who is my strength coach, a phenomenal power lifter and strength athlete who has a wealth of knowledge. He's trained with some of the legends in the game. Uh, Louis Simmons, he's trained with Dave Tate. He's soaked up knowledge from many of the great coaches in the world, and he coaches many of the great coaches in the world. Uh, my college football coach in strength and conditioning was a guy named uh, Coach House, better known as Joe Ken, who is now the strength coach of the Carolina Panthers. He's the only coach to win strength coach of the year at the college NCAA Division One level as well as in the fucking NFL and Coach House, Joe Ken, anytime he comes to town to the Bay Area, he picks Jesse Burdick's brain. He sets a video camera up and he asks Jesse Burdick questions on form. That's how elite Jesse Burdick is. He has a wealth of knowledge. Unfortunately, we had an audio fuck up. And that means that our beautiful, glorious microphones that deliver excellent sound were not able to be used for this podcast. But thankfully, we were able to draw audio from the video cameras. So please bear with us if there's a little bit of audio uh, issues on this one. It's just a, a one-time deal. We've switched some things around so that'll never happen again. But I promise you there is some great content in here. If you're into strength and you want to learn how to improve strength and train in a multitude of areas where you're not leaving any weakness behind, any stone not turned, this is the podcast for you with my boy, Jesse Burdick. On a podcast with my man, Jesse Burdick. We got Jesse here in from Dublin, California, the power wad master, <laughs> strength beast. Yes, so sir. you know what's great about this one is that we won't lose the first 30 minutes like we did the first, <laughs> the first you'll, time. You'll actually be recording on this yeah. one? That's yeah. good. First, first time we uh, had a little mishap. I was recording with Jesse in the gym and uh, I forgot on the Zoom that you have to hit play and record at the same time. There so we go. lost 30 minutes of golden conversation. We tried to make it up, but I think we did it decent job of it but i think they were still kind of a little bit lost the, the first was trying to recapture that all of a sudden and especially some of the stuff that just kind of randomly dropped in uh, the the spontaneity the spontaneity was uh, a little bit uh, a little bit off a little gone but i think, I think we still did pretty good yeah but i'm happy to be here thanks for having me this is uh this is a really cool first time here and on it and uh killer facility this is so fun this is so cool everyone's so nice accommodating and it, it just makes sense why this company is just what it's becoming and what it will be is uh everyone's together same mission um the gym's popping the jujitsu mats are popping you know everyone is uh everyone's kind of on the same mission of health and kind of wellness and you know getting each other better so the vibe and energy is amazing this is this is awesome this place is great it's a fucking cool spot for sure. I hated to lose you, but you end up here and it makes sense and I understand why. In you're a better here. place. In a better for place, sure. for sure. For sure, with low, much lower cost of living than compared to the Bay Area. Well, yeah, I guess so. I don't have the beach, which right. I miss, but uh, at least at least Austin has a decent amount of nature, surprisingly. Yeah, so it does. No complaints, man. It's good. It's fun. So let's, let's talk strength. All right. I'd like to think that... I had a decent following uh, with my own podcast, but uh -huh. certainly not at the level of the Honor podcast. So we may have some new listeners. Actually, probably 
five, somewhere in the ballpark of five to ten times more <laughs> of listeners tuning in. So they might be listening to Jesse Burdick for the first time. Well, welcome. And we don't have to rehash everything that was discussed, but let's definitely talk um, you know, about what got you into strength. You were a baseball player to start. Yep. Let's dip into that path a bit. So the baseball player to start in, uh, in high school, you know, I was a, a talented baseball player. And then when I kind of got to, to high school as a freshman, kind of looking around to what the uh, – the juniors and seniors looked like, and uh, I didn't look anything like them. Uh, I was a, a much skinnier, uh, longer kid, and uh, that that played well to baseball and played well to the skill set that I had. But uh, eventually, you know, I just couldn't. I wasn't able to drive the ball the way that I um, that way that I wanted to. It was more just getting it into the outfield, opposed to driving into the gaps and you know out of the ballpark. And um, kind of looking around and figured out that just gonna have to get bigger, gonna have to get stronger. So um, just like uh, most high school kids in that day, find a magazine called Muscle and Fitness, Muscle and Strength, Muscle and whatever. And uh, you find something that looks like something you could accomplish at the neighborhood gym and you go and you start doing that. And um, I did, and uh, it paid some dividends, but you know, a, a bodybuilding program for a, you know, a skinny baseball player without any really dietary advice didn't do so much. So it wasn't until, you know, going to college when I had there was actually a strength and conditioning coach that I actually start to kind of learn about what the body's capable of, how to pull that out of the body, how to, you know, work on food and recovery, stretching and, you know, all these other things and try and hit all facets of just being an athlete. And then when I was done playing baseball I needed something to stay competitive in or I would have gone crazy. And uh you know, I was always a fan of watching World's Strongest Man and everything, and um, I, I always kind of wanted to be strong one way or the other, and I felt like, okay, well, now I have this time where I'm not playing baseball. Uh, and so I kind of dove headfirst into not only competing in powerlifting, but also in um, just learning to trade more than anything. So, you know, at the time, I was uh, um, I got a job being a personal trainer at kind of a commercial facility, and then, you know, just from that point on and that point forward, uh, I dedicated my pretty much learning and everything that I did, most even eating everything that I had to getting stronger and learning why I was getting stronger and how to get other people stronger. And um, we discussed a little bit. I, I landed a really, really cool job as a personal trainer. You know, I had a, a chiropractor as a, a boss. I had two occupational therapists, two physical therapists, and a massage therapist as um, co-workers. And I was kind of the new kid. And um, they thought of me, you know, as, as the athlete trying to be the strength guy, and I was able to pick up a ton of, ton of knowledge, learn, you know, biomechanics, learn dysfunction, learn how to fix dysfunction, recognize dysfunction, and um, how to kind of prioritize stuff for the general masses. And then, you know, how to... And at the same time, reading, learning, doing everything that I could and understanding how to train an athlete different from somebody else, what their needs are, what other people's needs are, and kind of how to match both of them and kind of be able to push their performance in whatever it ends up being and just, just life or, you know, in the, on the field of whatever their choice is, really. And you had some pretty amazing coaches along the way. I did. Really, really did very lucky and I mean it all started with my dad you know got to, uh, he was my first coach first baseball coach my um high school baseball baseball coach was amazing um I think at the end he ended up putting over 30 kids in a uh, division one programs and at uh, four or five people drafted um so you know coach B was awesome uh and then uh getting to college and then having Paul Childress who was a um, world-renowned strength and condition coach also one of the strongest powerlifters there is. Um, and then, you know, him opening doors and helping me open, you know, opening doors for me to Dave Tate, Louis Simmons, uh, Jim Wendler, and, you know, finally kind of tapping in when I moved to Northern California, kind of the Northern California kind of strength, uh, strength crew and kind of going and moving from there. And, um, you know, what, uh, I was talking to Sean about this earlier. I think something that I did that maybe not everyone is doing now if someone's looking for like, well, how do I become a strength and conditioning coach or, you know, how do I do something along those lines? You know, I just, I just had the audacity to ask questions. You know, I called Louie 
you know, and asked him. I was just like, I don't understand this. And he, he explained it to me. And, um, you know, I asked politely. And, you know, I, I told him who I was and what I was doing and what I was trying to do. Louis will answer anybody's questions, you know. I mean, he used to even just put his phone number at the end of his articles. It's like, call Westside Barbell, et cetera, and just kind of go from there. And I don't know how many phone calls he got, but he got a good enough from, good amount from me. And able to call Dave Tate, call Jim Wendler. And, you know, I have a really good relationship with Jim still to this day. And, you know, they just kind of helped guide me and kind of help me kind of sift through some of the just bullshit that is kind of floating out there. And, um, you know, they were really, they kind of directed me into what I was trying to do and um, put me in touch with people and said, hey, this person can probably answer your question as well, which is also something that I believe is maybe missing, not completely, but missing a lot. We have people who are pushed up as these YouTube superstars or these social media gurus of, you know, strength and conditioning, whatever they are. And, you know, they don't have hardly any time underneath their belt first of all, and then they're answering questions that they don't know the answers to. It's okay to say, I don't really know that, but there's a guy who's way smarter than me, and I'm going to just tell you about him. You go talk to him and get your interest, and your questions answered there. So um, I was able to get passed around a little bit and, you know, get in touch with Coach House, uh, Coach X, and just, you know, a ton of other great, great resources and um, all, you know, really positive influencing me in, you know, my development and career and learning more than anything. I remember being on, um, talking to House, and uh, I asked him, I was like, hey, what are you reading? You know, I just want to know. Like, what, do you, what is the guy that I'm asking, you know, the question? He's like, what do you read? I thought, what are you reading? And he came back with, like, some sociology book and, like, communication <laughs> and, um, uh, like, interpersonal something or other. I was just like, that has nothing to do with lifting. He goes, but it does. Like, if you look about it, how are you going to get your point across to someone in the quickest way, with the shortest amount of words, while someone's moving? You got to understand how that person learns. You got to know how you communicate. You got to start boiling all this stuff down into, like, the, the smallest bite-sized piece that you can kind of throw at people while they're moving. You got two seconds with these people to kind of fix them, make them better, learn to communicate, learn interpersonal uh, communication skills with your coaches, with the, with the staff, with your boss, whomever it ends up being. So uh, that taught me a lot, too, because in all reality, you can go and go to school for as long as you want. When it really comes down to being a coach, you know, maybe you get to use 10% of some of the knowledge that you have and really apply it to people. Um, but you're still going to have to deal with people every day and trying to find out how they tick, what motivates them, what keeps them motivated, and, um, you know, how to keep them making progress that's a, a real learned skill it's not something that you just falls into your lap so that was a really um turning point for me as far as having a lot of knowledge biomechanics and how the body works how to get people strong but then you also kind of got to blur that with uh, just to relate to people how to communicate and um how to just motivate people and get them moving too yeah that's a big one i think any any great coach you know, you, you mentioned House. House is my strength coach at Arizona State, along with Bowie. House went on to become strength coach for the Carolina Panthers. I think he's the only coach ever to win Coach of the Year in NCAA football, Division One, and Coach of the Year in the NFL. Yeah. And Fucking that, phenomenal dude. Bowie went on to coach the Niners, coach the Vikings this year. Yep. And I really was blessed. And then obviously getting up there with you, having you coach me after my fighting career has been exceptional. There's so many takeaways that I have from there from – something as simple as deadlifting mechanics to why we would include an AMRAP at the end of a workout, you know, right. different things like that. What, what are some of the takeaways you've gotten from guys like Louis uh, Simmons and coach house? Like some of the, I mean, I guess, can you explain like the conjugate method, something simple sure. that people outside of powerlifting may not understand sure. is, is one of the best ways to train. Yeah. So conjugate system, I mean, the, the word conjugate just means change, right? So, I mean, just kind of keep that in mind as we kind of move forward. So conjugate method is going to be divided into two kind of efforts, we'll call it, right? Max effort and dynamic effort. Max effort is where we're going to be trying to push the most amount of weight, and the goal is there to, is to strain against a heavy weight. And remember, I just said strain against a heavy weight. It doesn't say make every, every heavy weight, every heavy lift. You're going to strain, and we're going to figure out, we're going to diagnose that, that lift, whether you make it or not, where your form kind of breaks down, and that's going to give us a list 
of things that we're going to go ahead and address in our accessory movements. So that's kind of our max effort stuff, right? And we're going to have one lower body max effort, one upper body max effort. Then we go to the dynamic effort, which is where we work on force production and form perfection. So what we're trying to do there is we're trying to move perfectly and we're trying to move fast. So that's going to be more volume intensive opposed to max effort where we're looking at maybe three sets of one to five reps where dynamic effort we're going to be looking at anywhere between 10 to 15 sets of three to five reps um, with the dynamic effort method we're going to be working on some of the things that we've diagnosed and found out from the max effort method where we're going to make sure that your chest is up your knees are out your elbows are tucked in your chest you know i mean something along those lines that the form is breaking down that's where you're going to practice and dial in and make your form better in hopes that when you kind of come back to that max effort lift where you kind of maybe rolled your shoulders forward or you kind of fell forward or you kicked your, you know, your lower back up while you're deadlifting, we're going to work on keeping that, you know, not letting that happen during that dynamic effort, building the volume, using the accessory exercises, which is the, the, the exercises after the main movement to build up some of those weaknesses, make them strengths, and then we kind of move on from there, set PRs and kind of go. So we have a four-day-a-week program, one um, upper body max effort, one lower body max effort, one upper body dynamic effort, one lower body dynamic effort. Um, and those, depending on where you are, whatever, you know, just going to try and give yourself enough time in between them. The, obviously, the max effort days are going to be where you need at least a kind of a day in between. So the schedule we run is Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday. We go dynamic effort bench Monday. Max effort squat Tuesday, max effort bench Thursday, dynamic effort squat on Friday. Um, now, in all of those lifts, there's going to be a lot of variation, which is where conjugate, the word comes, change. We're not going to necessarily just keep pounding our head against the wall and working on just the big three lifts, which in powerlifting are squat, bench, and deadlift. Those are our competition lifts. We change them up, but we vary them a lot. Um, we'll use free squats box squats. We'll use accommodating resistance, which is use the use of bands or chains on a bar, um, which varies the force velocity curve and uh, makes the weight lighter at the bottom of the lift, heavier at the top. So it forces you to pr produce more force through any sort of motion. Um, we'll use um, partial range of motion, full range of motion, and we'll mix these things up uh, partially because I'm ADD, <laughs> and I just can't do the same thing over and over again. But also because it's going to, we, we need to build each part of each lift. There's going to be a bottom, there's going to be a middle, there's going to be a top. Each one of those is going to be separate. Each one of those is going to call for certain exercises, and each one of those is going to be a strength or weakness. And the goal is to try and make all of those a strength and um, continue and kind of push those weights up. <coughs> Excuse me. Usually... Um, our, uh, our, our waves going like one to three week waves and then we're going to usually kind of change our stuff up. Our max effort changes every week. So we'll go first week, max effort squat set some sort of max effort squat second week, some sort of max effort deadlift third week, another max effort squat but not the same as the first one and then again kind of go back to um, max effort deadlift the dynamic stuff is going to pretty much stay the same for two to three weeks. What will change there is the percentages, reps, sets, etc. As we progress through the weeks, we'll move the um, reps, sets down as the percentages go up. Uh, that's primarily, in you know, nutshell, if we can, that's kind of a conjugate method, and it's going to keep on kind of changing. Um, I recommend if people do end up wanting to kind of utilize this, um, the uh, the Conjugate Bible written by Dave Tate is the, is the best article out there. Um, it goes over this in ad nauseum, I will we'll, say. We'll, we'll grab that off the internet yeah. and link to it in the show notes for people. It's, it's it, it, gives you a, it gives you a ton of examples and explains a lot there. I mean, I think I did a, a good enough job of kind of explaining it in general. 100%. But, you know, this is a, a really thick, big, I would say like probably 15, 20-page article, and there's two parts to it. Um, and it explains, goes into a little bit more explanation of each one, gives examples, gives stories, et cetera. So Dave's a great writer, so it's a lot of fun. Um, but in general, that's kind of what the conjugate system looks like, opposed to 
kind of a normal, you know, uh, periodization type of um, program where it's, you know, do a little, try and do a little bit more each week, each week, each week. You're going to go five pounds each week. Five pounds each week until until you bench (laughs) a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, we've become a lot more sophisticated and, you know, periodization has kind of changed and everyone understands that about three or four weeks, there's usually a deload week and kind of restart and go from there. For me, I was introduced and kind of thrown into the conjugate system very early in my lifting career. And I fell in love with it for so many reasons. I, I was never injured. I constantly made progress forward. And I was constantly kind of both mentally and physically stimulated by it. Um, there was so much change going on. It was never the same stuff. Um, and it just, it was fun. You know, if I'm not sure I'd be here talking to you about powerlifting if I was forced to do eight sets of 10. And then the next week, seven sets of nine. And then the week after that, six we you know it just go on from there trying to add five pounds each one i just i've gotten so bored i would have you know trying to do something else with conjugate system it is it allows for so much more variety in my opinion so much more fun it uh you get to you know the one the, the one drawback that i can certainly say is that it's going to be um weakness heavy so for you if your hamstrings are weak you're going to be doing a lot of hamstrings. And that's a very humbling thing because you're going to do stuff that you're not good at. But the whole idea is if we do this over and over and over again, it's going to become a strength. And then that's going to get better for you. And then your lift goes up. Unfortunately, you know, eventually something else is going to kind of rear its head. Then you got to go ahead and address that. But as far as I'm concerned, like when you really kind of take a step back, you kind of look at it as a puzzle, right? And you're just kind of moving these pieces around until you figure out where they kind of click together. And, you know, if you do take a weakness and you turn it into a strength, that's a piece fitting into kind of another piece. And you just keep building this puzzle as you kind of end up going and going and going. And um, it's just a constant puzzle, you know, both for myself and for my athletes and everything. So it makes it a lot of fun to, to program for people and to kind of go through it. It, um, you know, in my head, it's just it just makes sense and it's a really nice schedule. And you can really kind of put a lot of stuff in there without kind of disrupting the, uh, the apple cart. As much, you can uh, you can use a little bit of periodization, you know, just like five pounds each week with your accessory stuff. You can kind of play around with all sorts of toys and bars and everything, and you get to experience new movements and find out what you like. And in that, you find out what you're good at and what you're bad at, and um, you start to make decisions based on that. And it's also end up being very. Uh, group dependent and training partner heavy and dependent because it becomes, you know, it becomes a team. And if I know that your hamstrings suck, I'm going to make you do your hamstrings, even though you don't like it. And you know that my quads suck and you're going to make me do my quad stuff because, you know, as a group, as long as we're progressing, everyone's progressing together. So it becomes, you know, it becomes, it, it brought together, I think, powerlifting, which was very much a on your own in the garage by yourself type of thing to, you know, made it a group thing, made it a team thing, which I understood very, very much and made a lot of sense to me. So it, it encompassed a lot of the, uh, the things that I liked about sports and, you know, what I needed to kind of keep my head in the game. And it, it just all kind of clicked for me. So that's why we use it. And, uh, I've had really great success with it. And, uh, it, as a whole, you know, at its roots, it's, uh, it's influenced, I mean, everyone across the world, not just here, but across the world, as far as how people look at training, how they train their athletes, how they train lifters, and just how they go about the process of things. You may not be a strict conjugate guy, but you know, you're going to, you know, you're going to carry some of that with you as you kind of go along into something else because it just flat out works. Yeah, it definitely works. You touched on a few things there. One, the hamstring. I think you were definitely pointing towards me. And <laughs> wasn't funny. that obvious? We posted, we posted a uh, a video of me doing a deadlift, and it looked like I was trying to do the stanky leg. Like, <laughs> my fucking legs looked like they were on a vibe plate. And Kelly Starrett even chimed in. He's like, "God, those hamstrings." Yep. You know. And then we we just went to town on them. And by the time I was able to pull my PR five fifty five. I didn't have shaky legs at all. Right. So we we took a weakness and turned it into a strength. Right. And and what's cool is when you show up to shit like that, it's the same thing for mixed martial arts or or really anything in life. Yeah. I don't want to have to think about what I'm going to do. It's nice that I can show up and it's written on the board. And on top of that, the variety. Right. It's always something new. It's always something fun. And if it's a max effort squat, I don't know what the fucking bar we're going to use. It might be a duffalo bar. It might be a safety squat bar. We might have bands. 
there might be a box involved, but that always keeps me guessing. Mentally, it's refreshing right. and it keeps my body guessing. So yeah. I'm continuing to make gains and it's just a beautiful thing. And the other thing that's beautiful is that when you're training the dynamic stuff, so much of that pause squat, speed squat, all these different variables that we can add into that really translate to sport well. Yes. There's there's a lot in the strength. I mean, people have this idea that if you do body, it's probably true for bodybuilding training. You know, you got one tempo, you're hitting high volume, you're going you're to be sore all the time. But on top of that, you're not training for speed. And what do we do in sport? We go explosive, we go power, we grind, and we move as fast as we can. Right. Right. So the translation, it really, with conjugate, you're covering so many of the bases that are involved in elite athletics. Yeah. And even, you know, I'm fucking retired now. I don't fight anymore. But it feels good to move better. Right. It feels good that when I decide to go for a hike or a run with my wife, that I actually run faster and easier. My body is effortlessly going through yeah. the paces of what it means to be a normal human. Yeah, you're an athlete. I mean, it feels good to be an athlete, even if you are retired or aging or anything along those lines. And, uh, you know, that's that's all kind of part of it. And, I mean, there, there are pieces to it when we really dive deeper that, um, you know, certain uh certain sports and certain positions in certain sports maybe don't need as much of a max effort method or you know a dynamic effort method as you know some other positions like uh for instance there was a um a couple of uh like uh corners cover guys from the nfl that uh, a friend of mine was working with and um he was like yeah i just pulled back the max effort work i'd never let him strain like, why would you never? He's like, why am I going to ever slow these guys down? He's like, the one time I I want them to think that they're going to be faster and faster and faster all the time. They're moving fast, moving explosively. <clears throat> Anytime I slow them down, I'm teaching them to be slow. And I was just like, wow, that's really pretty profound. That actually makes a lot of sense. Does it make sense physiologically? Mildly it does when we really kind of look at things. But mentally and what that athlete kind of needs to feel it makes complete sense. And that's what he was kind of diving towards. And that's what we were talking about before, where we may have this, you know, breadth of knowledge here. It's about knowing your athlete and what they need. You know, if you're, oh man, I feel slow today. You're screwed. You know, it's that inch and that's a touchdown and that's the career, that's your game, that's it. So, I mean, to have that kind of ability to kind of swing things both ways, or when you're dealing with, you know, the, the bigs like House used to, you know what I mean? The, the linemen we have to pick the music all the time, right? You know, it's all heavy. We're just going to clang and bang. You know what I mean? And it's going to be it's going to be hard, it's going to be fast, short duration, and it's going to be heavy and it's, it's going to be a fight. I remember doing fight. 16 sets of doubles, right, with house. And it was yeah. like and it's funny cuz people are like, "Well, if you train low reps, you're missing your endurance piece." And it's like, "Not so. If you increase the fucking volume and you're going on a timer, yeah. I mean, what does a football play look like? It's 6 seconds long and then you've got a short short clock before the next play goes right yeah, about so 30 seconds yeah you hit those reps and then you got to wait a short term and short time and then turn it right back over to max effort again yeah. right and so you train specific yeah. to what the needs are but there's so much carryover from that there is and i mean it takes someone as brilliant as house to kind of realize like, like okay cool i can almost match this snap for snap in a football game and just make these guys repetitively get over and just bang you know and just really knock this down and get these guys in game shape way without trying to run gassers or anything along, you know I mean? That classically people are like, oh, they're not in shape. Make these, you know, 350 pound monsters run. Like, good luck. But if you have 16, you know, sets of, you know, two reps at 50%, may not sound daunting, but every 30 seconds, sure the fuck is, man. I mean, that'll yeah. get you in shape real fast. I remember doing in, uh, one of the things we did in the tier, tier system strength training, which is something that he came up with. It's an excellent book. Um, three week protocols. The first week, we'd have 90-second intervals of rest. The second week, 60-second intervals of rest. And by week three, same weight, but we get only 30 seconds of rest. Yeah. I and mean, you better hear your fucking sets. Yeah. Your is in your ass, yep. right? Yep. I mean, that's, I mean, again, that's that's kind of the brilliant. He took a lot from and learned a lot from Lou and kind of took his own knowledge and applied it to the sport that he was uh, both, you know, strengthening and conditioning his kids for. And, you know, he, he he's a perfect example of how to apply a conjugate system to a sport he didn't take the whole book and just throw it at football he took pieces of it that matched really really well and applied it just perfectly i mean that's why he is the success that he is and he is still doing what he is doing and um, we're still talking about him um you know it's uh, it's one of those things where i'm not sure if that may not have been there he could have come to the same conclusion but it may have been a harder road for him 
So, you know, he always kind of credits conjugate system a lot. But he, he needs to take credit a lot, too, um, because, you know, just a really brilliant guy. He understands not only just football, but uh, the human body in ways that, you know, I can only hope to. Yeah. Brilliant, brilliant guy. Yeah. Man, we got you out here on it. Put you through. You put me through. We put you through. You put me through. <laughs> a fucking great workout today. Yeah, it was fun. We hit some fun stuff. Uh, one of the things we did that I had I had seen before but I hadn't done was the bamboo bar on bench press. Right. And we we spoke a bit about that. I think we'll have a video that we drop at some point on it with that. But let's talk about some of that. Some of these weird exercises that maybe pay dividends in the long term for shoulder health, hip health, things like that. Because inevitably, when we push ourselves to max efforts on a weekly basis, even if we're changing that up and, and adding in variety and change, it still can be quite taxing on the body. What are some of the, the different things that we do accessory-wise to help aid those smaller muscle groups and make sure that we're staying in tip-top shape and we don't get injured? So, I mean, the, the accessory movement should be, you know, obviously kind of tailored to some weakness. Um, and that'll be revealed through, you know, a coach looking at you or you kind of figuring some stuff out. Um, but it should be more of a volume-based thing, so thinking bodybuilding. <coughs> so a lot of volume, a lot of reps, a lot of sets. Not necessarily a ton of, of weight. Um, but it's also kind of those small supporting intrinsic muscles that are going to allow the, the main movers to be the main movers. If those muscles are not in the good position or not working, not strong enough to support everything, it's going to start to bleed away from the main movers because the main movers are going to start to become the supporting muscles as well. So what we're trying to do is just have a base that your main movers can just kind of jump off of at all times. So something like a bamboo bar, which is um, not actually 100% bamboo, it's uh, it's you know has some um, some other stuff in it, fiberglass, fiberglass, and just some stuff that bounces pretty much. It's just going to oscillate in all directions, forward, backwards, up, down, kind of side to side, and then to make because we're you know. Sadist or masochist, what do we, when you hate each other, which one is that? When you hate yourself? Yeah, yeah one of those. Um, you know, we're going to hang uh, 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 bands and then put some kettlebells on the end like there. 50 shades of weightlifting. It is. <laughs> it's pretty close. We got bands, chains, and all sorts of fun stuff, right? And a gag ball. No, I haven't done that. Well, bite down yet. on this. <laughs> I think you get stronger if you bite down on <laughs> the, the mouthpiece? See, what's really interesting, <laughs> Kelly Surrett made me try and get a mouthpiece, right? Uh, because he, oh, this will be so good for you, everything. Okay, cool. So I got one. And I found out that I bite down so hard that it actually gave me some more resistance. So I bit down harder. I was spitting out mouthfuls of blood, oh. literally bleeding from my gums. From your, oh, from your gums? Not from, from my your gums, gums and from my teeth and everything. Oh, I didn't bite my teeth. I was just gripping so hard that I was just bleeding from everyone. And then I would take the mouthpiece out and I, I wouldn't do it. I was like, this is <laughs> like... This might make me. This is the devil. This might make machine. me lift like ten more pounds, but I don't think spitting on mouthfuls of blood is a good thing. I mean, I'm going to go ahead and throw this out and just kind of keep lifting, anyways. But uh, back to the bamboo bar. Um, so it's going to oscillate. It's going to move a lot. What we're trying to do there is just to kind of lock down, you know, anything, you know, shoulder rotators, lats, pretty much everything on the back of our body is going to hold us steady while we kind of press there. So you'll see, like in your case, hopefully that'll be on the video where someone's kind of shaking like a leaf, it's... Um, That'll be on the video. <laughs> it's, um, it's a lot harder than it looks like, you know, to make that thing stay in one spot. You do that just by understanding how to squeeze the bar, to let, your, let the bar kind of almost sink into you and how to kind of activate everything kind of in the, in the back of your body. So something like that is invaluable. I mean, I think we use, like, what, 30... 40 pounds or something along those lines and your your back just blows up immediately. It's no, just, it's fucking it's just frying. Yeah, just yeah. full of blood and then you're just like, wow, I can't believe something that kind of simple made such a, a great difference. And that's what I search for most for accessory movements is the cheapest, smallest thing that's going to give you the biggest return. Something that's not going to cost you a lot the next day or the next day or the next day and bleed into, you know, your squat workout and screw something else up. Something that I can use 40 pounds on. You're going to get better because of it, and it's not going to screw up your workout the next day or make you too sore or make you prone to injury, something along those lines. And those are the gems. Those are the gems right there. And the gems that I use over and over again 
R for bench would be a, you know a, a, some sort of a bamboo bar, some sort of instability, uh, and just learning how to get everything tighter. In the deadlift, I love doing uh, slow eccentrics, uh, bringing the bar back down a lot slower. In powerlifting, we'll pull the bar up, and oftentimes we'll just kind of drop the bar because we like loud noises and because it makes us look cool. Um, if we lower that bar, we're actually going to be taxing our muscles on the eccentric part of the of the lift. And it kind of turns out that when people are having a, a hard time with a start position in the deadlift, if I force them to slow the bar back down and do multiple reps, they're going to just drill in to their head over and over and over again. This is where I start. This is where I start. This is where I start. Because oftentimes on the deadlift, it's concentric only, so it's bottoms up, right? It's really hard. Some people aren't sure and they don't know where to go. But if you kind of repeatedly drill this in with some accessory work, just really slow moving it back down, you're going to kind of drill in over and over again that this is where it starts. And then people are going to get better and better, stronger at the bottom of the lift. And for, um, for squat, it ends up being just unilateral stuff, simple stuff lunges, step ups, you know, like pistol box squats, which is just one leg box squat. That's fucking, you know, stuff along those lines. One of my least favorites. Right. Yeah, they're <laughs> terrible. But, you know, again, they're one of those things that's going to be bad because not necessarily because it's going to hurt you, but you're weak there. Everyone's weak there. But you're not going to be able to, you're, you're going to be able to do everything else, literally the time that you walk out of the gym and then the next day and the next day. So it's not going to be something where I'm going to make you do, you know, five sets of five, you know, good morning, barbell, good morning, which is just going to just, you're not even going to be able to get in your car. Your back's going to be so fried. You know, it's the handicap stall. Exactly. exactly. It's like good luck sitting down for the next week. But if I can make you do something, you know, something small, you know, maybe lightweight and get the same result, why would we be doing that? And that's kind of the, those are the gems. Those are the real kind of secret pieces that I'm always kind of looking for and always kind of playing with. And I feel that, because the conjugate system is so malleable and you can plug these things in there, and as long as you're paying attention and you know what's going to affect what, you can play around with a lot of stuff and kind of um, you know, figure out what's going to work and what isn't working. And you know, the gems that I just mentioned have, you know, have been you know, mined over the past 15 years. And I can probably list you more that don't work than the ones that actually do work. Uh, and, you know, hopefully, you know, people listening, you know, if you're, if you're going to read a Dave Tater, Jim Wendler, me, or Mark Bell, or something along those lines, you can kind of pick up those gems and maybe not have to make 15 years of mistakes, you know, on your own. And, you know, it's, a, it's about learning from other people and getting better. And those are the things that I always try and give to everyone that I, that I have, uh, you know, athlete-wise, lifter-wise, et cetera. It's just the stuff that just pays so many dividends, you know, in, in such a small piece it's not going to be so expensive down the way. So you know, those are the, that's the key to accessory movements as far as I'm concerned. Weaknesses and stuff that's going to pay huge dividends without costing you a lot. So I like to just say we're, we're trying to be as cheap as possible. You yeah. know, it's a cheap cost, exercise. Cost the body. Very cost right? effective. Yeah. Right. Cost effective. So along the same lines, you know, again, we break ourselves down. We beat ourselves up. We are all fucking aging inevitably. <laughs> what have you picked up? Because, you know, you're... Kelly Surratt was the guy that fucking married you at your wedding. Yep. You know, your best man's Mark Bell. You're yep. surrounded by people with a wealth of knowledge. Yeah. You yourself have a wealth of knowledge. What are some of your favorite tips and tactics for recovery? Because that becomes just as important the longer you stay in the game and certainly the harder you push as we age. It's a fucking big deal. It is. It's a bigger deal than anyone will ever really admit. <clears throat> I don't even like to admit it. I would love to just say, like, I oh, just... Head in the gym, man. That's where you're going to make all your gains. But in reality, you know, I'm lucky because I get to live in the gym. You know, I probably spend a total, you know, but in the gym lifting, I don't know, maybe 12 hours a week. There's a lot of other hours to screw myself up and to, you know, have a chance to get better. Right. Um, so recovery has been kind of one of those things, again, kind of talking to house and learning interpersonal skills a lot better. And then, you know, kind of with the um, chiropractor, the occupational therapist, physical therapist that I work with, I learned really, really early on kind of the importance of, even before I met Kelly, mobility, you know, your body stability in different positions, um, stretching, etc. And I was, uh, 
early on involved in active release therapy, active release techniques. Um, so I knew body work was really, really important and a big key to keep you in the game healthy longer and longer and longer. So that's a huge piece. But um, what we're finding out, if, if you pay attention enough, is just the importance of, of sleep. And everyone just kind of sloughs this off, like, oh, yeah, I go to sleep, too. I'm like, do you? <laughs> you know, I mean, do some research, find some stuff out. I'm so bad about reading. that I read everything that I can on sleep. It actually keeps me up because <laughs> of some of this stuff. You're up till three a.m. reading about I sleep. I am. I'm reading about <laughs> sleep. And then there's some stuff that just gives me just, like, such anxiety because it's like, I read, I read an article, I think probably a month and a half ago, and Katie, my, my wife Katie can, uh, can attest to this. Let's talk about, you know, if you start missing or having, you know, a couple of consecutive nights sleep that are bad, amyloid plaque starts to kind of build on your brain, which is, you know, the, all the concussion protocols in, in, the, in the NFL and everything. That's what these guys are, is being dumped on their brains. And Alzheimer's, the Alzheimer's, dementia, dementia, exactly. I was so freaked out about that because I had like four or five days in a row where I, I had really bad sleep. I was just like, oh my god, like this is this is bad. I can feel and the now, and I, it's, it's building. I feel it. I'm just like, so. I mean, I'm kind of obsessed with trying to figure all this stuff out. And a lot of times, when you have these obsessions and you have these things that you're working on and trying to figure out, there'll be a moment where you kind of step back and you see the forest for the trees or the trees for the forest. I don't remember how it goes. Um, and then you realize, like, oh, like all this stuff is important, but. If I just get more sleep and I just have a better kind of sleep routine, that's all that you really need. You know what I mean? Maybe if you're, quote, unquote, asleep for eight, ten hours and you only get like four to six, that's great. That's a lot better than, you know, being asleep for eight hours and only getting two to four. So if you're just kind of in that state of relaxation and everything, that's when your body is going to start to kind of shut down. And your body is just always learning. So you can teach it how to sleep. You can teach it how to recover. So sleep is by far the, the biggest tool that everyone ignores. And um, any way that you can do it to get better sleep is going to be a positive influence on how you perform mentally, physically, emotionally, everything. Um, so sleep has become a huge thing. I mean, there's, you know, you know uh, uh, wearables, body trackers, you know, everything that you can anything and everything that you can kind of think of and you can make it as complex as you want. But when it really kind of comes down to it, it's just like, okay, you know, try and start shutting things off, whether it's TV, phone, etc. Try and kind of cool down and drift into sleep. And, you know, even if you're not asleep, kind of lay there and just try and be relaxed. You work on some sort of a, you know, a meditation if you have to kind of get yourself down there. And you kind of let yourself wake up. Don't try and wake up, fall out of bed and just start running right away kind of ramp into your day. Don't just drop everything and kind of go. Um, it makes huge, huge differences, you know? And I mean, that's when I get to look like a genius when I talk to someone about their sleep. It's like, how, uh, you know, how many hours a day are you sleeping? How many hours a night? Like six? Okay, four. Let's get that up to six and let's see how you feel in two weeks. Okay, cool. Come back like, bro, I lost five pounds of fat. I gained five pounds of muscle. My lists are going crazy. I feel awesome. My skin is cleared up. All this other stuff. Magic sauce. Magic. I'm like, wow, all you have to do is just, you know, turn Netflix off and go to sleep. You know, it's, a, it's, it's as easy as that. And you can make it as cool and complicated as, you know, having wearables and just really diagnosing what's going on in your sleep. And in the powerlifting world and dealing with big athletes, it really kind of comes down to getting a sleep study done. I encourage everybody out there, um, if you feel like you're not getting great sleep, go get a sleep study done. The um, CPAP machines, which is the machine that's going to kind of help you know keep your airways open, uh, it's huge. It's saved okay, countless you know friends of mine's lives, literally their lives. Even Uwe, we're talking about you know I mean this is you know makes such a huge difference for people. Understanding that they're literally stopping breathing, like hundreds of times in some people's cases a night. That's just not good for your body. You're not body, your body's not getting any sleep. Your body is just trying to keep you alive. So you're not actually getting that restorative sleep. Yeah, so some dipping into fight or flight mechanism. All night. Like that. All night. Yeah, 20 to 100 times. Parasympathetic, relaxed, rest and digest state. Yep. And you wake up fried. Yeah. And you're, on, you're not getting all these wonderful 
natural hormones that we get in our sleep, which yeah. are there to help us recover. They're there to clear amyloid plaque from the brain <laughs> and make us feel fucking fresh and Absolutely. like, let, let's go get the day. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, go get a sleep study done. And then, you know, if you do need CPAP, get it, find a way that it's going to work for you and use it. It's, it's been, you know, paramount in people's performance, not only on the field, but also just kind of in life. You know, people are just, I mean, there's nothing worse than four or five days of just bad sleep. You turn into a complete asshole. You start forgetting stuff. I mean, you just turn into a different person. And to kind of gain that back and to watch a friend of mine, a lifter, someone that I care about, gain that back, it's, it's, it is like magic. It's just, it's voodoo. You're like, I can't believe that it's something as simple as this can make that big of a difference. And it's, uh, it's mind-blowing. And what's even more mind-blowing is people are still ignoring it and pushing it off. So anyone that I see who's talking about recovery, et cetera, if sleep isn't one of the first things out of their mouths, I, you know, that's, uh, I think they're all right. They've already missed the boat. Yeah. So, and part of that too is this <coughs> type A personalities and this, you know, I'll sleep when I die mentality, you know, and everyone's, everyone's hardcore. Hyper, and, hardcore, hyper caffeinated. Yeah. You got yeah. guys like Jocko Willink, who I fucking respect and think the world of, yeah. but constantly showing how, you know, little sleep he gets and yeah. bragging about it. And it's like, Hey man, you might be able to get that done. But genetically we all have variables, right? Sure. There's no one size fits all diet. Some people need more sleep than others, but the vast fucking majority of us, 99% of us need a certain baseline of sleep. And that happens to fall within seven to nine hours yeah. of quality sleep. But Jocko, Jocko's are going to be kind of outliers. You know I mean? We're yeah. all, we're there, always going to be outliers. outliers and everything, Absolutely. right? But to try to emulate these people right. to think like, well, you know, Tom Bilyeu, the, the CEO of Quest Bars, he talks about that, you know, like, well, if I, if I wake up at two 30 and uh, I won't try to go back to sleep, I'll just start my day then. It's like, well, hold on, push pause. That's that's not going to lead. That's it. And he's not a professional athlete, and it's nothing against Tom. But but um, you know, when when people come out and they say like, hey, this is what I do, and it's working for me, that's cool. But let's be mindful of what's going to work for the masses, right? General population is really who we're talking to here. There sure. might be a few pros listening in, shit like that. And yeah. I know we got a lot of pro fighters and different people listening to this podcast. But the bottom line is. How can we translate a message that's effective for everyone right. or at least the most amount of people? And and less sleep is not the fucking answer for anyone. Absolutely. Like people like Tom, people like Jocko are those outliers. Whenever someone was like, well, there are people like this or this. I always tell a story. I had a friend whose grandfather passed away at this point. I met him when he was 93 years old. He was about six foot two, 200 pounds, just <clears throat> Pennsylvania farm boy. Smoked, chewed, and drank at the same time, all day long, since he'd been 13 years old, <laughs> okay? Just, he was just this big jack dude, physical, he was a mechanic, just worked his whole life. Still, he, I think he retired at 90. He was drinking motor oil. Just, 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 a, just an unbelievable person. And I was just like, Pops, like, what's the secret? It's like, how, what's going on? It's like, you know, the guy, you know, the ate just butter, cheese, and, and red meat. You know, what I mean, this should be, you know, in, in you know our, you know, medical community. This is the class. You know, this is a classic heart attack, you know, lung cancer guy. Like, what what did you do different that no one else has figured out? It's like I got no stress, man. Like, oh, it's like I got a great family. I love my wife. I love my job. I got no stress, and that's going to be the difference, right? Like, if you so some of these guys, maybe Jocko, maybe Tom, their stress is fifty. 100% less than the guy who's out here grinding on Wall Street or doing whatever it ends up being. While they are outliers and they're diff just different people, their lifestyles are just so much different. Now, I mean, both those guys run companies and they make important decisions all day long. They're highly have, successful. Have though, families, you know? absolutely. But, you know, they're not, you know, the kid who's getting yelled at by their mom and, you know, has to go to school and then all this other stuff it, it's, it's just a different level of stress right or it's not a college student who's you know living on ramen and you know tuna fish or something along those lines it's, it's your body is being stressed in kind of different ways so i always tell that story to try and bring people back to somewhat of a normal aspect of things like look if you can kind of limit your stress get more sleep you can probably live till 90 and smoke, drink and chew all at the same time <laughs> right it's something they talk about with the, with the french paradox 
you know, French, a lot of French people smoke cigarettes. Uh, they start the day with coffee and a cigarette, maybe a little fucking... And a croissant. And a croissant, right? They eat a lot more gluten, and a lot of them don't have any of the autoimmune disease. There's a far less obesity, and it comes down to a number of things. Obviously, they're taking in less total calories because they don't eat American proportions, proportions of food, rather. Right. But at the same time, there's less stress, and there's less stress in a lot of European societies. And then that just shows, again, like Paul Cech says, one type of stress is all stress. All stress, all stress all in stress. the body. It's all one fucking system. Yeah. We can't compartmentalize the stress no. because in the end, at the end of the day, it all equates to the same hormonal response, yep. the same neurotransmitter response, and it has the same negative effect on our bodies, the fight or flight mechanisms, the, the sympathetic nervous system shifts and turns on all fucking day long. Yeah. And it can happen from your wife yelling at you, your boss yelling at you, a heavy fucking weight training session where you overdo it. Yeah. You know, there, you can overdo anything, right? Yeah. But all that shit just gets funneled into the stress compartment. Yeah. It's the best not, book I ever read on that is Why Zebras Don't Have Ulcers. Yes. Phenomenal book. I mean, it just really kind of explains fight or flight in such a great detail, but also just kind of really easy to read. Just so smart, so well done. It's on, you know, it's audiobook as well. You don't have to read it. Yeah, I listen to it on audio. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. It's it's it just it makes so much sense. It's really really great. And um, you know, to to kind of understand some stress and figure some of that out. And I mean, that's that's exactly what it ends up being. Is you know, how are you responding to whatever it is that you know is in front of you? And then to add on to that stress thing, you know, if you really look at kind of the, the French paradox and everything. They don't have cars. They have bikes and they walk everywhere. So they're probably clocking in and you know, everyone's got their Fitbit and you know, get you might 10, get on ten thousand steps, steps in. You know, they're they've been doing, you know, probably twenty thousand, thirty thousand steps a day since they've been eight years old. So I mean this is just something that's just been drilled into themselves that they don't, you know, take the car to go down the down the street. It's a, they just walk everywhere. So I mean that also adds a lot into it. And the more we're seeing, you know, with the with the Stan Efferty and Mark Bell's ten minute walks, and more and more people are doing that. More and more studies are showing that that's almost, particularly after a meal, a ten minute walk, is just as good as like two hours of fasted cardio. Yeah. So it can be as small. Again, we're coming back to those gems over here, right? Just a ten minute walk post meal is going to just pay huge dividends for you. Everybody's got ten minutes. You know, whether they want to admit it or not, you got 10 minutes to go ahead and do this. It makes a huge difference. The research is out there. And it's it's just uh, it's one of those things where hopefully more and more smart people are, are sharing this information, which is really, really cool. And hopefully it just kind of keeps catching on so, you know, general public can kind of have access to this stuff. And we can kind of just keep pushing that needle towards, you know, healthier, you know, better, you know, more active kind of society with, you know, less sickness and, you know, more wellness. That should be, you know, even though I want to, you know, I want to have a world champion fighter under my belt. I want to have world champion, all-time world records under my belt. I want to have major league pitchers, you know, NFL guys. The whole goal of anyone in this in this business is to make people better. It's not going to be these guys. Those are the outliers. I want my mom and dad to be around to see my kids graduate from college. You know what I mean? That's what I want, you know, and, you know, they grew up when this sort of stuff wasn't available, but now they have me and I can kind of tell them this stuff and we can extend their life and, you know, make it better so they can kind of see some cool stuff. You know, I want the same thing for your parents and the same thing for your parents as well. As a society, as a whole, you know, we're, we're sick, we're sick. And, um, you know, the more people, even if it's one at a time that we can kind of get better, you know, that's the win. I mean, that's the whole goal is that the more people that you can kind of touch positively and change their life, that's it. That's the, that's the goal of life. And that's what you should be doing. And, um, if you don't believe me, go to an airport, go to the bathroom, sit there for five minutes. You will see and hear how sick we are as a, as, as a society, (laughs) because there, the noises and grunts and groans and what's going on in there. I mean, it's, it's funny, and I meant it to be funny, but it is horrifying. It is absolutely horrifying. It shouldn't be, you know, it shouldn't sound like the guy next to me is deadlifting 800 pounds. And the other guy on the other side just dropped a 20-pound bag of potatoes into the, into, into the toilet. He just it gave is, birth. Yeah, I don't even know what's going on. It's just, uh, it's amazing that um, somehow this has been deemed acceptable, right? 
And um, you know, that's why we're here. We're trying to we're trying to make things better and push the needle and help people get better and help them, you know, with wellness and just general overall uh, uh, terms. And you know, it's cool to kind of hang out over here in the strength side of things and do everything. But ultimately, the goal is just educating people on just how to be better humans and you know, just just be better in general. You know, hopefully that. Uh, Hopefully they'll be better humans. I, I would assume if they're better physically, they'll end up being well, better it, mentally and it's better funny, to though. each other. You know, people are people have this thought like, ah, I'm focused on my body. It's not going to do anything for me anywhere else, and it's not true. You know, we, we no. now know that the micro. I just just interviewed a guy, Naveen James, um, who's one of the leaders in microbiome research, and I knew this long before uh, talking to Dr. Michael Ruscio and different gut health doctors. We have eighty to ninety percent of our neurotransmitters are made in our gut by right. the microbiome. Food impacts the production of those neurotransmitters. That impacts 100% how we feel, how we think, cognitive function, emotional well-being, yeah. anxiety, all of it. Yeah. Right. And that's just that's just food. But then we have lifestyle choices like being out in the sun, grounding, being in nature, laughing with friends. Right. All these things fucking also impact not just the microbiome but our fucking DNA. Yes. All the way down to the core, from an epigenetic level, we have a direct impact from sunlight. Right. 500 on-off switches on our epigenetic level Turn are influenced around. by sunlight, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and obviously, you can overdo anything. You know, there are people who burn in the sun. I'm not one of those people, <laughs> thankfully, but I'm just You're saying. You're from Arizona, though. <laughs> you can live in Arizona I, I, for a while. I can get away with it. Yeah, yeah. Seven, seven years. But, you know, the more we can implement these things, the better we feel. Right. And then it's much easier to let the little shit slide when we feel good and we're having a great day yeah. and it is when we're feeling like shit or we're constantly in pain yes. and we can't figure this thing out. You know, that's, I think that's one of the, one of the hardest pieces for people to comprehend is, or, or really to get bogged down and get into this negative feedback loop of depression or anxiety is this concept that I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. It's a I train, not a, yeah. not a light. Yeah. I don't know Another how it's going to get coming. better. Right. Yeah. I have no idea how it's going to get better. I have no idea how to improve it. It's only getting worse. And then, the mind will continually play that thought over and over and over again, and it sinks us. Yeah. But when we put a little bit in, you know, make a deposit each day yeah. into wellness, into longevity, into feeling better, and into taking care of ourselves, that shit adds up over time. It, yeah. I mean, that's why, you know, I get to work with a lot of people with food and everything along those lines. And even when, you know, like I take a look at my deadlift or something along those lines. Like, okay, cool. It's like, so what I want to do is just have you do everything that you normally do. And we're just going to give you this much, just like a breadcrumb. And it's going to help. And they're going to come back and they're going to find the next breadcrumb. And they're going to keep coming after those small pieces, right? And eventually, after, you know, a course of, you know, to say a month, you know, they've picked up 8, 10, 12 breadcrumbs. It's actually a, a big piece of bread at this point, right? It's a, a really big thing. But if we would have started, obviously, if we would have, <laughs> but if we would have tried to give them this like book to to follow, opposed to just this one little sentence, you know, sometimes that's daunting to people. Yeah. But if you could tell people and get them to believe and not think you're fucking crazy, all I want you to do is get out in the sun, and and you know enjoy yourself and laugh a little bit, and that's going to pay huge dividends for you and you know how you just feel overall, like. Serious? That can't be right. That's too easy. Shouldn't I be taking fourteen pills and have to meditate upside down and you know, you know, do you know, speak whatever? Like, no, man. Just go get outside in the sun, or just take some more vitamin D, and just kind of hang out a little bit more. You know, enjoy life. You know, find something to enjoy about. Play a little. Do more. anything. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so astonishing again how we're talking about all this research and all this other stuff, and you know. Uh, pretending that we're really smart and everything. And it, it can come down to just go outside, man. Just go, go outside. And, it, and it, it's crazy because <clears throat> we have kids and we're talking about a, a society of people who were literally the, my girls were at a, at a birthday party. There were six people invited. My girl, I have twins. There are two of them. Three of them just sat on their phone for the whole time. And it was like a bounce. So fifty percent of the population is on their cell. They're on their, but I mean, it's just here, and I mean, they're and they're ten years old, and they're they're at this like giant. It's like a trampoline place. It's like you shouldn't you be doing just like going completely nuts. There was like 13, 14 kids that I counted, just here at at a birthday party, just completely ignoring everybody else on their phones. It's like this is what's coming, and they're never going to go outside. And they're just going to be on there on their phone or tablet or anything along those lines. And it's just going to get 
it's it's scary to kind of look because you know I was telling you the story of me like jumping in um like rainwater you know as as a kid because it overflowed at the bottom of my street and coming out bloody from you know what I mean just jumped it's literally like asphalt yeah water. just like jumping into asphalt and rainwater and just like dirt and you know we're we're trying to protect our kids so you know so much that we don't ever want them to be hurt or feel like they're you know you know even not appreciated or anything along those lines and i mean the real answer is get outside get dirty have some fun and you'll be better off for it in the long run and um it's it's kind of frightening how far we have come from that um there's been a lot of cool you know innovations to kind of get us to here and you know at least we know now that jumping in rainwater and you know coming up bloody it's probably not the greatest idea i was very lucky to not get maybe it enhanced your whole bunch of maybe it did i don't know diversity there maybe that's the answer maybe that's my next ebook on that yeah <laughs> um but you know i mean there's there, there you've come a long way but you know there is just these these basic primal things that i think we're missing a lot of and it's it's scary sometimes to kind of look and know that these kids that are that are that are my daughter's friends are never going to see the light of day unless someone literally shakes them out of their stupor and knocks the phone out of their hands. Yeah, you know, you touched on a few things there that are, uh, and I definitely want to chat with you about kids, even though we're, we're coming to a close here. But um, I, there was a study that came out that said kids born now have a life expectancy for the first time that's to live shorter lives, to not live as long as their parents. Yeah. That's fucking mind-boggling. That's insane to think that our kids, with all the fucking technology we have, will not live as long as their parents. Yeah. Right? Very unhealthy. And I remember, you know, growing up in the 80s, I think I was two years old when the Nintendo original NES came out. Mm -hmm. And it was dope. I was hooked. Oh, right. Yeah. But still at that point, it, it's hooked up to a TV. There's only one in the house. There's one TV. You know, right. it's not like uh, Back to the Future when he says, yeah, we have two of them. And they're like, right. oh, he's kidding. They, nobody has two TVs. Everybody's <laughs> got a fucking TV in every room now. Right. More importantly, you have a TV in every fucking pocket. Yep. Everyone's connected to everyone at all times. You have this, as Rogan calls it, the portal into the universe, right? right? You can connect to anybody everywhere. All information's accessible. At any time. And it's, it's a fucking draw. Yeah. Right? So... It's so important. I mean, there's entire books written about it. Yes. Obviously, with, with Dr. Ernie Galpin, we had him on the show talking about Unplugged, Unplugged yeah. and the importance of that. But it's sad to see kids that don't have that. You know, my mom, I could fuck, man. I heard so many times, you kids get out of the house. Right. Go out and play. Go right. outside and play. Oh, for, for how long? I want to play. You're not coming back till <laughs> dinner time. Come back when the sun starts to yeah, set. Yeah, yeah. Right? And you could see, you could argue now, well, there's more creeps in the world or it's less safe. Whatever. You know, if it takes your lazy ass going out there with your kids and throwing the football for them or something like that, yeah, then it's important. It is. Right? It's important for everyone. It really is. Because that's our future generation. I read the same thing that you read, and I couldn't – I thought I read it wrong, so I had to read it again because I mean, life expectancy have been just getting more and more extended and longer and longer. For the first time, you're right, it's, it's changing or it's predicted to be changing. It's again, it's one of those scary things. And, uh, you know, getting out and playing and having an imagination is is going to disappear. You know what I mean? It's like like Bear yesterday. He's just going all over the place, just having a great time in his own world. And that's the coolest thing. You know, I remember just playing baseball, you know, on my own in, in my own world, you know, all, well, probably all the way up to like 12 or 14 years old. And, I, you know, these people, the, the, these kids, you know, the kids at the at the party, they, they're so boring. They're so boring. It's all they want to talk about is, you know, what they saw musically or anything along those lines. It's not like I read this book or I was outside playing or we did this or we did that. We were at, we were at a playground yesterday. How many people was there? Zero. It was us. We had, we had it. it to ourselves. It was, which it was, was our, awesome. It was our personal playground. Right. But I remember... Like going to a playground as a kid and be like, man, there's too many people here. Yeah, I gotta wait gonna five minutes wait to wait for a slide. slide or something. Like I'm gonna go to the next one. You know, I'm gonna have to try and find something else to do until this like dies down, and then we can go and play. Like I, you know, I take when we take the girls, it, it's kind of the same thing. There's a couple sporadic people here and there, but it's just not just so crowded anymore. You know, everyone's just 
hiding in their houses. And it's fucking seventy degrees out yesterday. It's, it's yeah, oh, yeah. It wasn't it wasn't snowing for a cold winter in yeah. Austin, and we've had snow here for the first time in four years this winter. It was perfect. It was like the was best great. spring spring day in California. You know, it was yeah. awesome. I mean, we we talk when I mean you know Texas and not and you know being in California. You know, we're, we're spoiled because we can get out in January and do these things. You know, in December, January, February. Uh, it's a little bit harder when you have six feet of snow to kind of deal with. Um, There's still plenty of cool shit to do in the snow, though. So, yeah, you know? absolutely. Just, well, I don't know. I would, I would never, some- I would never go back and do it. But yeah, it was, it was, it was fun as a kid. Not right now, it wouldn't be. Well, fuck, man. It's been an hour already. We wow. covered a lot of ground here. That went fast. Um, we will be. That was fun. We'll be definitely bringing your ass back out here to Austin. Can't wait. Uh, we want you to start working with on it as one of our premier strength coaches. And uh, we'll be offering uh, a bunch of different stuff online in the future here, you know, on, on a variety of things from anything fitness based. And, you know, we kind of want you at the top, yeah. not kind of, we definitely want you at the top of our strength program. Uh, you've helped me immensely and many other great athletes. And uh, you have a wealth of knowledge. I'm very, very appreciative for our friendship and to call you my coach. Yeah, thank you very much. That's a, it's an honor to be called coach, especially by someone, uh, an athlete like yourself. And, uh, you know, I'm very excited for this opportunity. I can't wait to make it go. And, again, you know, to kind of be a part of the Onnit community is uh, it's pretty special. This is uh, you walk in, the, walk in the doors, and it's a different place. And this is the, uh, this is the community, and this is the people that, that are going to change the world for the better. And that's what I want. And uh, to be a part of a community that has the same kind of mindset is awesome. And I, I can't wait to see what we can do, and hopefully we can do some really awesome stuff. Okay, yeah, brother. Where can people find you online? You can find me, uh, Jesse Verdick, at, uh, on Instagram, um, powerwad.com. Um, Jesse Burdick on all social medias and then um, you know just Jesse Burdick at Gmail if you have any questions awesome brother thanks for joining thank us. you man thanks guys thank you guys for tuning in the on a podcast if you made it this far through our audio fuck up I have immense gratitude for you we're definitely going to run it back with Jesse again in the future uh, I want him to have a place here at on it in the strength community where we can shed some light on traditional strength training and really open up that avenue and doorway. And um, I think he's got a wealth of knowledge, as you can see, if you made it this far. And uh, we'll have him back on the show again soon. Thanks for tuning in.